Happy Thursday, everybody. Welcome back to The Last Symptom. I'm Brian Barnett, the creator and host of The Last Symptom. Hope you're all having a wonderful week and uh, taking good care of yourselves. This week, I want to share with you an email that I got. And let me tell you the situation I'm in here. The situation I'm in is that I want to show respect for this family. I want to safeguard their privacy to the extent that I can. And at the same time, I want to share my experience um, with you. So the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to leave out last names. Um, I can't remember if uh, the subject of today's show shared his last name or not. Uh, if he did, I assume, uh, you know I, I look at that as it being his choice to have done that. Um, but uh, let me share this email with you to get the show started. And I got this uh, last night while I was in the woods with my little girl. I took her on her first backpacking, or <laughs> wasn't really a backpacking trip. We did backpack in, but um, you know within her six-year-old abilities. But it was to we spent the night out in the middle of the woods and after she fell asleep in the middle of the night I checked my phone and I happened to have a a small signal for me so that I could check my email and that sort of thing and this was an email that I read late last night and um, it brought me to tears and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it the email goes like this Hi, Brian. Bobby was my brother, and he allowed me to listen and learn about his journey with you in 2018. Bobby was a guest on the first season of this show, Season 1, Episode 9. She continues, I'm reaching out because he passed away in a vehicle accident June 5th. I remembered that he I remembered that he did an interview with you and I was able to pull it up and hear his lovely voice again. I'm so grateful that you did this and that I'm still able to listen to it online. Can you tell me if the podcast was a live recording or if you may have more audio of him? I appreciate the time you spent with my my brother. In my opinion, this was the start of several positive changes he made in his life. You know, uh, that original recording is all I've got of Bobby and uh, some participation of his on my old education group uh, but he was uh, well l- let me tell you tell it to you exactly as I told it to his sister of all the guests that I've had on the last symptom podcast Bobby is somebody that people continue asking me about and referring back to over the years There was something about him and his genuineness 
that people seem to pick up on. And be touched by, myself included. As busy as I've been with last symptom stuff over the past few years, Bobby has popped into my mind often as I've wondered about him, how he was doing, and uh, you know, within myself, I I hoped he was doing well. I feel honored that Bobby's sister reached out to me and let me know the situation. I'm also honored that uh, she views the work that I'm doing and my interactions with Bobby as something positive and something that had a positive effect on his life. So, in honor of Bobby, I'm just going to play for you tonight or today, depending on when you were listening to this, uh, the original show where I had him on, and he was just a an endearing person who was struggling with some real hard things, but you could just tell that he was a genuine per- person. He was a sincere person that uh, he wanted to understand himself better and and be a positive influence in the world I th- and uh, I, I don't think anybody could argue that he wasn't so here's the show that originally aired in 2018 with my guest Bobby Brian Barnett is just a regular guy he's not a doctor He has no legal license in any field of mental health, nor emotional health. Brian Barnett merely shares the insights he has gained from his personal experiences. For anybody who may choose to use such information as they individually and personally choose, while accepting full responsibility for their own individual thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Brian Barnett assumes no responsibility whatsoever for anybody's individual choice to expose himself or herself to any information that Brian Barnett shares. And by listening to this program, you are acknowledging that you and only you are responsible for your own thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. Happy Thursday, everybody. This is Brian Barnett. And uh, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, he always says that. Well, this time it's true. Today really is Thursday, and I'm happy to have you back here. We've got a guest on the program today. His name is Bobby from Indiana. So why don't we hop right on into the interview and hear what Bobby has to say about things. Bobby, t- tell us where you're at. I'm in Indianapolis, Indiana. No kidding. I got a, I got a real close friend who lives in Indiana. Oh, do you? Greensburg, Indiana, in Columbus, Indiana. Okay, yeah, it's about 40 minutes south. Have you ever lived anywhere else? Uh, yeah, I've lived in, uh, I'm actually from Cape Girardeau, Missouri. Uh, so I am uh, was born there, and I, I have lived in Kalamazoo, Michigan, and then from there to Indiana. Are you a sports fan? Uh, not not in this, not really, not really. I like boxing, and uh, I, I catch some playoff football, but, you know, I just... 
I don't do a whole lot of TV. I was just going to ask who your loyalties lie with since you've lived so many places. Well, I mean, I, I didn't pick that up till later in life. So, I mean, I'd have to say I'm a Colts fan, even though I'm a huge Tom Brady fan. I mean, that doesn't, don't, maybe bleep that out so I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, no real, no, no big sport. Uh, I'm a very big Floyd Mayweather fan, boxing wise. So uh, we've answered if I can record the call and if you want to keep your identity private. Uh, let me start with the question I've been starting off with everybody. Um, what's your motivation for being here? Well, I, for one, I just it's new to me. You know, I, I, I just, when you asked, I was like, oh, I'd love to do that. And I don't really know why, just something cool. And I really wanted to, to talk to you, you know, because I've followed a lot of your Quora stuff and uh, just – a lot of the research I did in my own, uh, I just, what you say just fits well in my heart. And I want, you know, I'm thrilled to meet you. Well, thank you. Thank you. The, the feeling's mutual. Did, did you discover me then on Quora? Yes. How long you been following me there? I haven't been following you that long, to be honest. I, I've probably been on Quora a few months. Um, and, you know, I really would ask questions on the Google browser, and Cora would be the answer, or, you know, would always have the answer. So I joined Cora and, you know, did a lot of uh, reading based on BPD, just be, just trying to learn better. You know, I did a lot of research on my own and just kind of trying to get a little more specific on the questions I wanted to ask versus the millions of pages of information all over the Internet that I feel like are are basically mostly tested on women. I, I didn't relate to a lot of it, and, you know... uh I, I just kind of where I end up, and I read some of your stuff, and uh, from there I just that I no longer need to ask. I just looked at your stuff. Well, that's one, that's one of the reasons why I'm glad to have you on here because of overwhelmingly the people in our group are women. Now, I, uh, it's nice to have you know the male perspective and the male experience reflected also. No, so. I totally agree with that too. There's a, a lot more information with the the women in research than there are the men in this category. Tell us about. Uh, Borderline personality disorder. How did you start becoming interested in that subject? How did you? Be, how did? What made you think that it might be something that you're dealing with? Um, well, I was diagnosed with borderline personality disorder uh, in, I believe, 2000. I'm going to lie here, but I don't mean to. <laughs> uh, 2013, maybe 2008. I know that's a big spread, but it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was diagnosed, I, well, I'll just put it out there, I got myself in some trouble, uh, ended up, uh, you know, incarcerated. Um, I have a history of that as a juvenile. I spent a lot of time in the Department of Corrections as a juvenile, and I've been through, you know, psychology there throughout my whole life, so they have a, a history of dealing with, you know, of me talking to them on record, and, and it took one sit down for them, for them to say, you know, diagnose me as BPD. Uh, he said they wouldn't diagnose me as a child. That they've had, they've had uh, notes on my file that I was most likely BPD long before that. Uh, what were, what? Tell us about your experience there with in in that sort of environment with the um, as a child and you know being around psychologists and stuff. Um, well, you know, I, I I got myself in some trouble very early. Twelve years old, I was in the Department of Corrections, uh, so I was putting you know into a place where I was pretty much on my own. Uh, you know, very early, and I, I'm really adaptive. I just, I always have been, and I figured, you know, I figured it out. Uh, I did well. You know, I mean, as you can do in there, I did well. Uh, the problem with the psychology in there was it, it was based on if I went home or not. So, I mean, very untruthful with them. You know, 
uh, in a lot of sense, but you're not as smart as you think you are when you're a child, you know. They they catch a lot more than you think they do. (laughs) So uh, it kind of is... I don't trust psychologists, I think, because of that, because a lot of the talking I did with them based if I would be sent home or not. So I guess I just have a weird view of them. Uh, Explain that. Can you explain that a little bit more? What do you mean? Well, you know, like, there's like a level. Like, I'll I'll talk to them, and I actually enjoy talking to them, but there's like a level of depth that I'm not going to go with. You know, I'm not – the conversation – I like to call it like, uh, you know, conversations with number one. You know, the stuff I really think in my head – on that level, you know, like the real thoughts, not what I say or what I, you know, how I appear to take something. I, I won't tell them that. I just, I won't. I, it's like there's a block there. I'm like, nope, not telling them. So what you mean then is that there there are certain, um, you're, you're willing to be honest with them up to a certain level, and then from there on you're, you kind of keep that to yourself. Yes. I mean, I don't have to lie about it. It's just. When I'm talking, I'm not going to go to that depth. You're going to answer the surface questions, is what you're saying? I will answer the surface question, what they asked, exactly. But you're not going to volunteer more? No. So what then happens if, uh, did you have any therapists who, you know, tried to pull back some layers and really dig deep into you, ask you specific questions to open you up? They, they would, uh, here's what happened a lot of times, was they would ask about my mom. And, you know, I have, I mean, I think we all did, but. I, I had a, a difficult upcoming, moved a lot, alcoholic mother, you know, just the whole, you know, partying mother type of deal. And uh, in my head, it didn't, I didn't have any ill will towards her, you know, and I, I still don't feel that way. But so every time we would talk, they would go right to that. And to me, that ended it. I felt like we needed to talk about me, not my mom. And that's the way I carried that through the whole time. And that's. I just don't think I allowed them to do that. Uh, when I was an adult, I, you know, I had struggled for a while. I didn't know I had BPD, but I did struggle. I knew I was struggling. And I didn't quite think like other people. I, uh, I just, I knew that for a long time. I just, I was very honest with them. I mean, more honest than I'd really ever been, allowing a little bit. You know, I went a little deeper because I was truly just wanting to know. Do you know what I mean? Right. So how have, how have some of your perceptions then changed now as opposed to back then in, in, in regards to talking about your mom? I re- honestly, I still don't feel ill will towards her. Um, I, I, I'm not in like a denial that, you know, my childhood was abusive, not necessarily. I mean, I don't consider it physical because I've been bigger than my mom since I was 12, but she definitely was, you know, kind of physically abusive, very uh, verbally. You know, she just is not. A nurturing mother. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I just, I don't hold it against her in my head, at least. I don't know if that's somewhere, you know, locked. I don't know. You know, I just, when I think about it, I, I don't have ill will to her. I feel bad for her. Well, that's, you know, it's, uh, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with that. What, what I'm trying not to do in these uh, podcasts is give a lot of advice I, because I want it to be just your story, you know, and your honest story. So I'm going to resist going uh, and offering any advice, but I, I would like to know when I address subjects of parent, parental, how parents are responsible for borderline personality disorder, how does that go over with you? I agree. I, I don't disagree with that at all. And I just think I've forgiven her. That's the way I think of it anyway. I, I don't disagree. I, I Even with some of your, your writings, I've pinpointed, not maybe not perfectly, but the causes of BPD for me. Okay. Well, let me just say that, uh, you know, I, I, I don't talk about my father too often uh, in my articles and stuff, but, you know, I love my dad. <laughs> I, 
I, I don't want people to think I don't love my dad. And uh, I also feel, uh, I'm not sure pity is the right word, but I feel um, sympathy for him. So when I talk about the steps that I have taken to cut off contact with him and that sort of thing, um, it's not because I don't love him or anything. So, you know, I just want people to understand that when they when they do the show, like you just expressed, you know, that you love your mom. And I, I don't think there's anything necessarily out of line with that. Would you mind telling us, would, am I being too forward if I ask what put you in juvie? Uh, no, absolutely. I, I, I'm not ashamed of any of it. I, or if I should be, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I was a trouble. I was just a trouble. I was a troublemaker. I mean, I, I'm going to tell you, I stole two cars for no reason. I just, I, my mom moved out. We lived in the city and I was with all my friends. She moved, she got married to a different guy and she moved me outside of the city, you know, I couldn't be to my friends anymore, and I was I was walking, and I found some keys in the car, and I drove it to go hang out with my friends. Then this older guy was like, "We can sell that car." You know, I'm 12 years old. I should uh, just dumb, you know, don't know much about life, but the, I knew where to get another car because we used to jump fences and play in like commercial places. I knew a place with a bunch of cars, so we could have a car to bring back. We end up wrecking the cars, and the the adult was caught and he told on me and that you know that was the the initial time i actually was there three times i uh, spent most of from 12 to 18 in the department of corrections you know just stuff like that um selling marijuana that was a big one for me and as an adult i mean i think i got that out of my system i lost enough life i've only been in trouble as an adult in a serious offense i had uh, one time and that was for felony possession of marijuana as well and that's how i got diagnosed with bdpd was going there uh you're in prison away from my children that's what it took how many kids you got i got two kids all right what are their ages uh i got a 13 year old daughter and i got a um nine-year-old son and so what does that put how old are you i'm 35 35 i want to focus on something here that despite all this um ruffian type lifestyle you've had uh uh, even with your personality type you're still uh reading books about borderline personality disorder and going on the internet and reading about borderline personality disorder yes it's it, it seems kind of well i think a lot of people would not make the connection that a person uh, would have that would have that level of interest in figuring out, you know, why they do what they do. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, and I'm gonna. Uh, if, I don't know if you asked, but I'll explain that to you. Um, and you know, I'm gonna pull my to my own horn, whatever. I I've, I've always I've grew up in the system. I have a very high IQ. I'm very intelligent. I have everything in life necessary to succeed. I can I learn things very easily. But there is a major roadblock in my life, and it kills me. And I've done a lot of work on my own. I've, you know, I think I created a, a somewhat of an alter ego to to make it through boys school, you know, just kind of turn myself into sort of a bad person. And uh, I mean, I know that's the way I've thought of it in this point because inside I don't feel like that. You know, I don't feel like a bad person. You know, I just had come one, and I, I'm not a bad. You know, I'm just really not. I'm not. I don't. I'm not a bad person. My thoughts. I'm not. I just, I would do what I need to do to do anything, I guess you'd say. To survive. Yeah, I, I'm very, I will, I 
am very adaptive. So what are some of the greatest complications then you think that you experience with borderline personality? What If you had to pick one thing, what would be the, the overwhelming thing? I calculate everything. I know a lot of people say borderline people aren't logic or calculative or whatever, but I am very calculative to the point that I do so much stuff in my brain. I'm not, I do things well, like multi-tap, like it's like I'm overloaded already just by when people talk to me, I, I would like to just listen to them, but I'm really just calculating if I feel like they're telling me the truth, what their motive is for saying that, you know, like all these things. Um, it just, it, it, it piles stress on me, I guess. And, and memory, I, I just, I don't have any organization in my life. No, I, I've never completed a long-term, just things like that. Like I just, I want to succeed in a big way. You're always trying to figure out the angle. You're always looking at the situation, trying to figure it, figure it out from every angle, huh? Yes. I can identify with that. Yeah. So you've talked to about your mom, and you've talked about your greatest uh, complications. Uh, have you experienced any uh, really aha moment, any real great breakthrough with uh, your recovery so far? I, I think so. Um, I, I've mentioned this i don't know do you, I, I type a lot of things into the facebook that i delete i don't know why like so i don't know which ones i really send and which i don't i write these long posts and i delete them <laughs> but anyway like i may have said i was too busy i focused a lot on the branches using your analogy um and i've been able to to really get to where i can function you know i am very good at work i own my own business uh, very good at certain things, but it's like I have tunnel vision. You know, um, I can only do one thing. I can do that real good, but I'm going to neglect my family, you know, these, all these things. But earlier in my life, I, I couldn't work. I mean, it would be like a month. My friend used to use the song, Another One Bites the Dust, for my jobs. You know, Another One Bites every time I quit. I mean, it just was, I just was a loser. I mean, I'm saying, you know, like I, it was horrible. And I, I've been able to, you know, figure out little things to say to myself that have helped me, you know, impulsive decisions, like, you know, just right, life-changing, made in an instant. I've been able to calm that down somewhat, you know, little things I've, I've, I say to myself or trying to think about a different reason somebody would do something that is not offensive to me. Does that make sense? Yeah. So can you give us, uh, not to put you too much on the spot or anything, but no, no, you're fine. can you try to give us an example of something you tell yourself? Yeah, I can. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I get overloaded and stress. I can feel it coming. I don't necessarily always know why, but I know it's coming, you know. And uh, I've been able to say two things to myself. I've been able to ask myself, can I change it? And if it's a no, and not, I don't know how this works, but I, I, it eases it for me because – I follow that with, this is temporary. Those are what I say. You know, that's what I say. Can I change it? No. Now, if I can change it, that's a whole other set of problems. <laughs> you know, I am about to spend about 10 hours straight <laughs> trying to plan this. You know, I plan immensely and don't act on that's just i mean a lot of the what goes on <laughs> i figure it all out but then i, I, I don't well know. then maybe the the uh the excitement for you is in the figuring it out i love that part <laughs> <laughs> what i'm uh would like to maybe close with uh or semi close with is if the professional you have you have had a lot of experience with the professional community um if they're listening what is something that you'd like to tell them about how they could better help um, 
people with borderline personality disorder? Um, I I think the big part for me is they have tactics, and I know that they're they're using them to incite emotion. But I, the, you know, I am a calculative machine, and I mean that. Like I can, it's a sense, it's a gut feeling for me. And I, whenever they start that stuff, like I'm, it's over. They want to incite like an emotion in you, and they kind of like try to. I don't want to say trick, but it's the best way I can think of it. And I once I feel that, like once I, it's over. Like, I'm not, we're not doing it. So you like sincerity. You don't like to feel like you're being manipulated. Manipulated. No, I don't. And I'm good at sensing it. You know, just, I think that's from being locked up as a child so much. I've just, I am good at reading situations. I can totally, I, I can totally identify with that. The, the guy who finally I really had a connection with, I just thought he was natural and sincere. You know, he was really having a conversation with me and giving me some practical answers that's me that's what i want so what's what's on your agenda for the rest of the week um i got i'm a construction i'm a construction company uh i got a lot of work spending my nights right now kind of trying to track uh some of my actions down to the core thinking distorted core values that you've mentioned um but you know i can only do so much of that it makes me get wrapped like my head spinning yeah there's there's no reason to uh to you know, uh, fry your brain on, on those sorts of things. So they they can be done in little little increments. But uh, as far as your uh, your construction company, you this is kind of the Christmas time for you, isn't it? Yeah, this is my bulk of my year. When does it start to slow down? Um, I mean, it, I'd say it really takes a big hit around Thanksgiving. And it has nothing to do with weather. It's just people start planning for Christmas and they start planning for this and that. Nobody wants to get work done when families are coming in and out. Uh, but then again, right before that is just an extremely busy time because, you know, everyone wants everything done right now before their families get here. Right. Hey, you know what? It, I just remembered that uh, I went when I was uh, a teenager, went to Indiana and uh, to visit my friend there. And he talked me into going out and doing detasseling with him. Have you ever gone detasseling? <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't, but I, I know exactly what you mean. I, I, I know the exact gig because a lot of kids did that when I was growing It was up. a nightmare, man. I was I was accidentally pulling out entire stalks of corn. I didn't know what I was doing, and yeah, it was just a nightmare. But anyway, I appreciate having you on here. No, I, I was enjoying it, too. I mean, it, it wasn't as nerve-wracking as I thought. I answered. I was worried I was going to, like, I'm going to say this just straight out, but I was worried I was going to lie because sometimes I just it depends on you like how i feel about what you're asking me you know like i would just not but i was very comfortable talking to you like you know you didn't seem like you're judging me or nothing like that 